Thank you for joining us on the Overcoming Monday podcast, where we provide you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. This podcast is designed to enhance your emotional and spiritual health. Our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. In each episode, we'll hear from writer, speaker, mom, and pastor's wife, Shari King, as she invites you into conversations about the issues that matter most to you. Now, let's get started. Hello, Overcoming Monday listeners. I am so excited to have my husband, Clayton King, here with me today. Hey. And also, Charlie Petrago. Hey, guys. Yes. And we're so excited. I'm actually surrounded by men in the studio because James Garcia is our producer, and he's a guy, too. So it's nothing It's nothing new for me because I'm surrounded by guys at my house, too. Our studio feels like a fiesta right now <laughs> That's right. because there are two uh, native Spanish speakers, and I tested fluent in 1995. Hmm. Yes. So I'm not fluent now, but I feel like we could do this uh, entire podcast in Espanol. En Espanol, no hay problema. No hay problema. Para mí, un problema pequeño, poquito, sí, sí. No, you guys could do it. I could understand you, yeah, but I might on. just throw some French in there because <laughs> that's what I took in school. Then James could talk in Spanish too. Yeah, he could. He could mm-hmm. if he needed to. Yep. So today I have guys in here in the studio with me, two fathers, um, because we're talking about pa- parenting from a dad's perspective. Mm-hmm. So I'm obviously not a dad. Nope. So I can't give a lot of like input into this. So we're here listening to you guys today and um, y'all both have a unique perspective for me, um, for our listeners, I believe on this podcast, because Clayton, you're adopted. So I'm just going to start with you. Um, You're my husband, obviously. Yep. I'm going on 20 years. Yep. And for those who don't know you, um, you were adopted when you were a baby. Right. I was about two weeks old when my parents uh, took me home from the South Carolina Children's Bureau. Mm-hmm. And you grew up in South Carolina. Yeah, I grew up in Greenville County, Fountain Inn, Simpsonville area. Mm-hmm. I had two amazing parents. And then you basically formed um, Clayton King Ministries in 1996. Yep, sure we, did. We met in 1997. And we have two kids, Jacob and Joseph. Yep, they are 13 and 16 years old, respectively. Mm-hmm. And then Charlie, <laughs> you have a crazy story. You're from Venezuela. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. And you grew up there and it was a little bit of a rough um, time growing up. Yeah, right. uh, a little different, you know, uh, third world country, believe it or not. And mm-hmm. even now it's even uh, as bad as it gets. Um, I have one sister mm-hmm. and uh, my parents were, man, they did their best to provide for us. Mm-hmm. But you grew up and you felt like your life uh, missionary came to your town. Yes. And told you about Jesus. Yes. Crazy enough. I was actually sharing my story this morning to somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came when I was 15. Mm. Uh, I was in the middle of like, you know, starting teenage years, just kind of punk little mm-hmm. Venezuelan. And I was like, man, this Americans, gringos, why are they coming here? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a guy there by the name of Johnny Condry. I know, Johnny. Uh, I know you do. And he, man, there was something about this guy. It was different. Um, it's everything about it. He just wanted to hang out and didn't know Spanish. I didn't know English. He wanted to really get to know me. Um, and, and it just made an impact in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, when I turned 17, uh, him and, and my, my mom been talking and my dad and it's like, my mom really been praying for me to, to get out of Venezuela. Um, it's almost like she knew that something was happening in, mm-hmm. in my heart and she knew I needed some, some help. So she's like, 
yeah, could you take him home with you? And wow. he's like, absolutely. He can live with us for a year. That was 21 years ago, mm-hmm. and I'm still here. Uh, and able to, you know, go back and, 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 and share my story with so many people. But it's pretty amazing to see how that impacted the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so great. And I'm sure that was really hard for your parents. Very. I think my mom, who now lives with me, mm-hmm. uh, and my dad, um, Venezuela right now is going through a crisis, mm-hmm. uh, dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost everything. Uh, my mom and dad worked their, their whole lives to, to really stay above water, and then they lost everything. And so they moved in with me six months ago, and they're here. Now, little did she know that that was going to be the destiny, the the plan, if you want to call it, mm-hmm. you know. So now she lives with that son that she had that was so much trouble that she had to send away, and now she's able to stay with him, which is myself. And I'm telling you, I will never make this up, you know, like how God just step by step put that desire in my mom, mm-hmm. uh, even for her own, her own good as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, praise God. Crazy. Yeah, it's full circle. Yes. So we wanted to talk about a dad's perspective today, and you guys have such different stories. But um, from your stories, what would you say that your, I guess, your parents' model of your dad's model of parenting was, and did you learn anything from them that you've applied in mm. your parenting? You know, for my dad, he was old school Southern Baptist, hard work and blue collar rural farming, agricultural. So my family, my home, my childhood growing up, he was not, I would not call him a disciplinarian, but he was the boss. And um, now my mom could boss him around when she needed to, but he was uh, a firm believer in uh, affection. He was verbally affirming. He was physically affirming. He always hugged me. He was always, you know, you saw it. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I sat on his lap as a kid. I rem- I just remember all the, uh, so many of my pictures as a little boy, I'm in my dad's arms or I'm sitting mm-hmm. on my dad's lap. Mm-hmm. So he was very, very tender and affectionate. He was also very firm. He believed in uh, what we used to call corporal punishment. I got spankings. I got whippings. I got whoopings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, matter of fact, like I used to tell funny stories about the things I used to get whipped with or, or, or punished with. I can't tell those stories anymore because Mm -hmm. people would think it's child abuse. Yeah. You had someone actually tell you, you needed to stop saying that. (laughs) Somebody told me I should see a counselor one time because I talked about getting a a spanking in the barn with a set of jumper cables. Oh man. My dad just grabbed a jumper cable and popped me on the rear end and it was not abuse. I'm fine. I think I'm fine. I don't think I'm. I mean, Are you sure your dad wasn't from Venezuela? Because that sounds very much like my daddy. <laughs> well, and you know, it's crazy because even though my dad was, um, uh, you know, he was a stickler for discipline, he, he there was so much affection. There was so much love. There was so much affirmation. When I got spanked, all my friends were getting spanked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just thought it was the norm. So that was my dad's model. Um, he expected a lot out of me. But he also gave a lot. He was always home. He was always there. Yeah. He was always a presence in my life. That was my dad's style of parenting. Well, and he had a t- he had a tender heart. He did. And when I met him, he had basically adopted me as a daughter, mm-hmm. calling me gal, encouraging me all the time. I mean, yeah. he was one of my primary encouragers when we first got married, I yeah. would say. Yeah, that's right. Wow. And what was your dad like? Man, my dad, he um very affectionate, but at the same time, um, at times I think he was a little distant. Mm-hmm. Now, this is what's funny because I hear you talk and I'm, I'm, I had to think about this. 
um, keep in mind he he's still alive and live with me. Right. So it's it's really interesting to see how it is now. Hmm. Um, it's, it's it's weird even like for me to have my dad in my house mm-hmm. and knowing that for seventeen years you know he he was the man of the house now I'm the man of my house mm-hmm. yeah it's so it's kind of weird uh, to like, parent in yeah. front of him I'm oh. sure I'm sure you're thinking what does he think about what I'm doing yes. and what I'm saying and how and, I'm parenting and not only that I think for him to see his son to be a dad. Mm-hmm. So it's a little weird because he's having to ask me things like, hey, is it okay if I, you know, think about it. he's in a foreign country, he doesn't know the language, so I have to kind of look after my dad. And he's mm-hmm. not, he's not old, old. He's, he's just turned 61. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but growing up, my dad, man, he, uh, he worked a lot. Uh, I remember staying home with my little sister and cousins and, and, and he would be gone for a long time. And but he was always the 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 man who provided for a house, mm-hmm. um, hard worker, um, and and as far as with with me, I I want to say there was probably a little bit of distance between me and my dad. Uh, he was very strong, you know. And as far as like spanking, oh man, he was really good at it. And my mom would wait. <laughs> he was really good. Uh, at he it. was really good. <laughs> I, he would he 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 says he up to this day he says I never did that to dad. I got marks on my body. So he, he wasn't abusive. I, I think what, what he he was really firm on that. And not only that, he would cry once in a while. Like he was very tenderhearted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think I think he the way that he was brought up, that's the only way he knew how to handle me. And I wasn't easy, even as a little kid. Man, he was it was rough. Mm-hmm. So that's my dad. Um mm-hmm. he Real tenderhearted, I think, and and uh, a little bit distance when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how you guys um, parent and whether that reflects your dad's style much at all. We'll be back in a moment, but first, let's check in with Elizabeth Harper for a dose of tips, trends, and practical advice. Hey, y'all, this is Elizabeth with Tips and Tricks for Season 6. And today I wanted to share with y'all a little bit about my husband, Chase, and the things um, that I love that he does as a parent and as the father of our children. Um, Chase is and has always been one of the most exceptional men I've ever met. Um, And he has an amazing... um, standard that he keeps for his own life. But what that does for our family and for our children is it it calls us up higher and it elevates us um, not only as a group and as a family, but as individuals. And I see him do that with our kids constantly, just calling them up to a higher standard and to a higher place. Um, and as far as just his character, he helps to... Um, bring structure to situations like that may seem kind of crazy and out of control. He walks in and the atmosphere kind of instantly changes and like pulls together. He um, is able to coach people on how to kind of become the best version of themselves. It's something that I've seen him do in business. And it's something that I see him um, do with our kids Uh, on a daily basis. He speaks to them and speaks to their hearts and honestly a way that I've only seen fathers be able to do. And I think that's really cool. I feel like as moms, we have a tendency to nurture in a really different way. Um, But fathers call our children 
um, up. They call them up. I don't know how else to say it, but they call them to that higher standard and that higher place. And I absolutely love watching Chase uh, do that to our kids and speak life into them in, um, in a very direct and, um, and kind of like he's charging them, you know, like he's charging them to be the, the man or the woman of God that the Lord has, has called them to be. Um, Chase has a different level of patience than I do. Um, I think as moms, we can tend to always be on the go with the kids. We're running around all the time. We're trying to get things done, you know, soccer practice, get them to school, music practice, back to a friend's house. And our minds are always on the move um, with our kids. And when Chase comes in and when he's with the kids and he's talking to the kids, I am amazed at the level of patience that he brings into the situation. He has, he's, he's removed enough that when he comes in, he's able to just sit there and listen. And I know mom, sometimes when dad comes home, you feel like everything is crazy and like you want him to jump in and help. And that doesn't always happen, but like he'll sit down and play with the kids and, you know, run around and do all this stuff. And at first I'm not going to lie. It used to get on my nerves. And then I took a step back and I realized exactly what he was bringing to the picture. He plays with them in a completely different way than I do. He listens to them in such a different way. And if I didn't leave space for that time, I mean, granted, there are times when I need him to jump in. I mean, come on. But stepping back and just watching, I'm amazed at the, at the different patience and the different play that he brings in. And I absolutely love it. And by, by seeing all these things, what has unfolded to me and in my eyes is this amazing heart of the father and of a father and just correlating it to how the Lord is with us, how he calls us up to a higher place and he elevates us. He speaks into us who we are really called to be. And um, there's always a bit of a challenge there, you know, like he's, he's challenging us to rise to the occasion and um, the patience that he has with us. And, you know, and if we take the time to enjoy the play, how he will um, how he just wants to have fun with us as well. So this is something that I've recently written to my husband in a letter, um, because I don't always have time to tell him face to face. So if you find yourself just standing back, watching your husband with the kids and saying, you know, this is a really awesome thing and noticing how he is as a father, I encourage you to take a moment and just write that out to him. Y'all have a great day. Bye-bye. So guys, as you think about your dads, we're kind of down memory lane right now. Um, Do you feel like your parenting style reflects your parents or are there some things that you've changed? I don't know. For me, Hmm. all the time, especially when our boys were little, I felt like my dad, his spirit had come into me (laughs) and I could hear Joe King speaking through my mouth. There were so many times I used to say things like, um, I don't do as much anymore, but I've had enough Mm-hmm. I, I used to even say, I've had a belly full of it, yep. or that's it. And those are things that my no dad way. used to say. <laughs> as tenderhearted as, as my dad was, um, when he had enough, like he'd hit a limit. And when he would hit a limit, he would lose it. Huh. And and so that was kind of one of the ways he would control uh, situations. He, he would he would have a temper tantrum. And yeah. my dad also would throw things. Mm. And he threw, never at me, but he would throw a wrench. He would throw a hammer. He, would th- he threw a pitcher of sweet tea one time in the kitchen. And then, and it was so hilarious because he threw the sweet tea 
and it spilled, wow. and then he fell. Oh, no. He was barefooted. He fell. Do you laugh? I laughed so hard. Did you get in trouble for laughing? I didn't get in trouble because he didn't see me laugh. Oh, gosh. Um, my brother and my mom both left the room because they couldn't keep it together. Wow. I do think that with my with my dad, of course, my parenting style reflects my dad. Hmm. I'd say that um, in the probably the most prominent way, my tone. Hmm. When my dad would get really serious, he would go from fun-loving, goofy, and hilarious to like he would project his voice in a stern way. And I learned that even before our kids were born, I learned with you, Shari, <laughs> That when I when I kind of take that tone, she thinks I'm yelling. You think I'm yelling at you. Yeah. I'm looking at Charlie, but Shari thinks I'm yelling at her. <laughs> and I've had to be really careful with my boys, especially our youngest one, Joseph, because yep. you can't be too firm and stern with him, or it crushes his little heart. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know. So I don't know about you, wow, but those man. are some of the ways my dad, uh, my dad's parenting reflects in me. I had I had a um, interesting thing happen to me that I. W- and I still up to this day, I say that I had the opportunity to having like two dads, you know, like a lot of people in my culture say I have a spiritual dad, you know, like, mm-hmm. so when I moved in with the countries, I was only 17. Mm-hmm. So I'm still like a kid and seeing my dad, how he did things and then moving to this American uh, family who believed in, in Jesus. My dad is, is not a Christian. Mm-hmm. So that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Right. The words you hear are different. The reactions are different. And, you know, I, I was wondering about why he would be like this. And then I see this other picture of this guy who loves his wife and kids and the way how he handled things. So I put, like, both of them together. And I remember, like, even even now when I have my son, like, when I have to deal with him, it's almost like a combination of these two influences in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, from my dad, I, even he told me this. Um, it, I do things very different than my dad. Um, and, and I think a lot has to do with the influence I had from, from this other dad that God put in my life to see how to, how to be a dad and how to be a, mm-hmm. a husband and, and how to lead spiritually. That's the hard part for, for me to relate to my dad. You know, So putting those two things together, I think I have like an interesting voice coming from my dad and com- coming from Johnny Condry, mm-hmm. you know, so here are the two worlds colliding and, and I can use both, both of things. And, and a good example is, um, my dad, he, uh, he would throw things, but he would throw things at me. Yeah. So now <laughs> I know why, like when the Bible says, you know, go ahead and, and get a, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a, a limp from, from the, uh-huh. lamp? Yeah. No, from a the limp. tree. A, a limb. limb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Excuse my a English. Switch. Yes. So it, like it gives you time to go to the tree and come back and, and, and punish your, your, your kid, not punish, but like discipline, discipline, yeah. discipline your kid. So it gives like, you time to think about it. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I never saw that until I saw Johnny taking a walk before he would react in anger. Mm-hmm. Well, my dad, he didn't take the little walk. For a lot of reasons he's actually uh he, he has a leg situation so i remember clearly him grabbing his shoes and just like wham and i'm like daddy what are you doing that in that in his mind he was doing right yeah today when he has a grandkid he's seeing this and he sees how i react to things and he's like he had said this to me i never thought that you would be the dad that you are now wow and i'm like interesting you know, mm-hmm. like he sees me and he compares me to him and he goes like, yeah, I think that's better 
than what I did. Wow. And so it's pretty amazing to see that. How does that make you feel when your dad says that to you? Man, the responsibility on me is huge because right. he's, he's looking at me. And man, I fell too, man. Mm-hmm. He lives with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he sees when I fell. So in my mind, thinking I need to really show Jesus to my dad and love my son like Jesus loved me. So it's it's that tension, but at the same time, freedom to know that like he sees in me some things that he didn't necessarily mm-hmm. teach me, but he's glad yeah. that that's actually happened. Does that make sense? Yes. Makes sense. So it's yes. two worlds like in my <laughs> and this whole parenting thing. Mm-hmm. Because how, how old yeah. is Jeremiah, your son? He's three. He three just turned old. three. And they're pregnant. Yeah. And we are pregnant. Yeah. With a little girl. Yeah. Oh, it's my a girl, goodness. dude. And he's scared. Of <laughs> yes, girls. I am. Like oh, you were scared man. of oh, girls. Yeah, I still am. Still well, am scared of little girls. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so Clayton, I have a question for you. Um, because you're you were adopted. So I was wondering, does it ever does anything ever run through your mind? Like, I wonder what my real dad is like, or biological dad yeah. is like. And am I anything like him? Do I have habits like him? Do I father like him? I mean, all the time. I think about it all the time. I've thought about it for, I guess, my entire adult life. Like, when I, because you know my personality, Shari, I mean, uh, the things I do, the way I react, the things mm-hmm. I like, the things I don't like. I've wondered, like, is it in my genetics from my birth father? That I love being outside, that I or love to hunt. Mixing I, your food and that, putting lots of sauce on it. Yes. I've yeah. never put salt on anything, but I put sauce <laughs> on everything. Wow. And Shari likes to make fun of me. Um, <laughs> I, I wonder, is he loud like me? Mm-hmm. I've always been loud since I was a kid, a little kid. Does he project his voice like I do? Does he stand out in the crowd like I do? Is he a people person like me? Did mm-hmm. I get that from him? Um, th- as a matter of fact, I hope that in that next year, if I have time, you and I are taking a sabbatical and I don't want to do it during the sabbatical, but I really am um, committed to, I can't say committed, I don't want to hold myself to this, but I really would like to try to meet, find and meet my birth parents if they're still living. Um, So I do wonder that. I've also wondered, being adopted, have I ever been preaching somewhere and my birth father is in the room? Mm -hmm. You know, because I've preached to... I've heard you say that before, by the mm-hmm. way. I've preached to millions of people. And it's crazy that you think that. It there's could a, happen. There's a really good chance Can you imagine that, that oh, relatives Or what if your dad got saved at something? And one of... Yeah, I know. Oh, came man. to faith. That'd be the craziest story ever. Mm-hmm. It would be amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. What would you say, um, Charlie, the biggest challenge from um, coming from Venezuela and being in America and trying to... I know you want to keep your culture yes. and... But then you're in this other culture, yeah. and how? What is the biggest challenge as far as parenting in a different culture? Um, I think. Let's see, my my son, he's he's three, so he's already speaking. He doesn't speak English; mm-hmm. uh, it's all in Spanish. But I think for me is sometimes I, I wish that my son would see certain things that I saw growing up. You know, um, the 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 family, um, like. We had family over all the time. Like we had cousins that almost lived with us, actually lived with us. You know, things like that. It's mm-hmm. very family oriented in our culture. Mm-hmm. Here, you have to plan out to go see your cousins in Arkansas. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's almost like you have to schedule stuff to make it happen. When down there, they just come to the door. Hey, you got any, you know, any eggs, eggs or something? You know, like it was normal mm-hmm. for us to 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 do that. So my son is having to. We have to make an effort for him to be part of some other some other 
kid's life, like his cousin. So that's hard, I think, for me. Um, being in a culture that is not necessarily my natural, I'm still Venezuelan. I still have an accent. Uh, I look Venezuelan. I, uh, my, everything I eat is very Venezuelan. Everything, so it's, it's almost like a culture within a culture. Mm-hmm. And for him, like if you ask him, seriously, if, hey, buddy, what do you want to eat? He goes, rice. Of course, in Spanish, mm-hmm. plantain. Uh, he wants some yuca. And I'm thinking, oh, man, my kid is very Venezuelan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then we go somewhere else, and he wants those things that are not there. So it's not the natural thing for him. So that's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and another thing that's really hard, I think, for our culture even now, again, is how I correct my kid. Mm. Like, I mean, it's been hard now more than ever. Like, I work real hard for him to understand certain things. But it's almost like in our culture nowadays, it feels like we're really letting kids, not everybody, of course, but a lot of people are really letting kids to kind of run the show. Mm-hmm. Not in my house. Right. And I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends. And, and they say, well, we don't do that. Well, we do. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. there's a certain... There's a certain difference, like in the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's for me. That's hard sometimes to really make my son understand certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, does that make sense? Yep. I think parenting overall is hard because everybody yes. does does things different. Differently, yeah. And I know. Um, so I remember when I started telling my son no, somebody just corrected me and said, "You shouldn't say him. You shouldn't tell him no. You just need to redirect." And I just thought. I need, he needs That's to know that life. no is okay. That <laughs> yeah. like some things you don't do. And yeah. that's my job. You know, I'm not going to redirect him my whole life and turn his attention to something else yeah. when he's getting in trouble. So there's, there is, it's always hard to parent. There are so many different, wow. you know, I don't know. So different perspectives. Right. Um, how do you think um, your expectations, so this is going to be a fun question, but how do you think that y'all's expectations of parenting as dads is different than your wife's expectations of parenting? Uh, the, than your expectation of me? Yes. Okay. Or my, maybe my methods. Okay. I can say that, uh, I, well, and this has a lot to do with your personality and my <laughs> personality. I, I did not realize when we got married or when we had kids how much you naturally expected me to do domestic things around the house. I, I was not raised like that. I was raised, my dad made the money. My dad worked. My dad came home dead dog bone tired. We all we always went to school and came home. So my mom, was the food was ready. She did the dishes. She cooked everything. My dad never did laundry. My dad worked on the farm. And it was different because mm-hmm. my dad also had a farm he was managing. Your expectations of me as a dad were, you're going to change diapers, you're going to do laundry, you're going to help cook food, you're going to do all that. What? I had no, I did not know that that's what you wanted, but that's, but that's how you're wired anyway. You expect people to help. You ask for help a lot. Or we just do because you're a helper. We all do things together. That's kind of. But you're, but you are a helper. You're wired that way. So one of my expectations that was a surprise to me is I just kind of expected that that you would that you would have more of the responsibility for everything when they were little. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how much you would expect me to help. Mm -hmm. That was my big surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I would have to ask her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She'll tell you. She'll tell me. She'll tell me. I think, um, as a dad, we, this is our first baby. 
So a lot of things are new, and you remember that. I mean, he's only three. We've been married eight years, so we're still kind of figuring this thing out. Mm -hmm. But I think her, like, what she sees in me that she expects for me to do, I think she wanted me to be a little more, um, more involved in, in, in the baby stuff, like changing diapers. Mm -hmm. Man, I cannot. I'm telling you, up to this day, I'm thinking, oh Lord. And now with the little girl, that's going to be a different ball game. I'm thinking, yeah. this is really, like, I need to step it up. And this is what's funny. I know that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, she is, and this is cultural, like, she is a Latino girl. Mm -hmm. What that means is, like, in her mind, she has to do certain things. Mm -hmm. So balancing that has been interesting lately, even with, with the full house. You know, like, how, and I've been learning to say, how can I help? Like, please tell me. Oh, she'll tell me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like sometimes I, I don't want to ask the question. But <laughs> she I think she suspects me, or even even with Jeremiah, I think she would like for me to be a little more like into the baby stuff. Now that he's three, mm -hmm. I mean I'm all in. Right. You know, because now he trained. can relate to oh, you. Oh man, we yeah. play, mm -hmm. we take showers together, it's great. Mm -hmm. But before that, it was really hard for me to connect. Like, yeah. like what do I do? You know? Mm -hmm. So well, and babies are so dependent on Very. the mother. So especially, I mean, you know, I'm just going to say the word, but especially if you're breastfeeding, it's hard for the dad to know how can I really help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, I mean, it is, it's hard to detach yes. from the child because the child expects the mom oh, to be there. No doubt. Yeah. And a little bit like of context, just for you guys are listening to us. Um, I, I'm on the road, not, probably not as much as you have been, but I'm on the road a lot. Yeah. So she, she's she been on the road with me. That's part of the deal. We go together. Mm -hmm. So for three years, we've been on the road together with a baby. So I felt like, hey, I'm doing my part of the deal. I'm ministering to people. I'm leading <laughs> worship. I'm seeing people come to Christ. What are you doing? You're taking care of the baby. And her mind was like, no, that's not what we agreed. Mm -hmm. You're part of this. So... Right. It's been times where I'm like, as long as I'm doing ministry, mm -hmm. she can be at the hotel while this little kid's driving her crazy. And literally, I would show up and she is going crazy because yep. he's been crying the whole time. Yeah. We, we have lived your life. You we just described our life for what, 10 years? Man, Woo. we learned so many things. We learned um, that Clayton can ask for a ride to wherever he needs to go so I can have the car so that I can not be stuck in a hotel with a three year old yep. that's eating Cheerios off of a hotel floor, you oh, know, or yeah. just crazy stuff. You, you just have to learn. How to how to do things you have to like work that? It out. Yeah, yep. you have to communicate. Yes, <laughs> it's crazy. I I feel you. Uh, I totally <laughs> feel you. Um, what's some advice, Clayton, that you would give for? Um, we're in the teenage stage, so right. what's some advice that you would give for parenting teenage boys, specifically <clears throat> to fathers? Well, if you've done your if you've done a a fairly good job. Um, and I know most dads don't feel like they have, so I don't mean that in a condemning kind of way. But usually by the time your, your boys become a teenager, you're, you've moved into coach world. You're not so much dad anymore. Uh, you're more of a coach. I would also encourage you, ask a lot of questions, mm -hmm. but do activities with your teenage son or your teenage daughter, for that matter. Um, because doing things with them is about the only way you're going to get them to talk to you. Mm -hmm. I would also say this, when it comes specifically to boys, I can't relate to having a teenage daughter. But Colin Mukri told me this. He warned me. He said, when your boys become teenagers, they will 
somebody's going to flip a switch in their brain and they're going to begin to make fun of you, daddy, like you are a clown. So I literally think of myself as Clayton the Clown. (laughs) My kids mock me. They ridicule me. They make fun of me. They notice every little idiosyncrasy, all my mannerisms, the way I talk, the way I laugh, the way I dress. The the way way I walk. The way I walk. They And they pick on me so hard. Wow. But I know that that means they love me. Yeah. Because in my my home growing up, if my mom and dad picked on you, it meant they loved you. If they didn't pick on you, they didn't feel close enough to do it wow so those are some pieces of advice i give dads right now yep. let your teenage kids pick on you let them mock you let them ridicule you unless of course you feel like their intention is literally to hurt you don't tolerate that you mm-hmm. put you stop that nonsense just silly stuff yeah it's like, silly stuff it's always silly stuff like daddy you eat out of the peanut butter with you know peter butter jar with a spoon well, i was eating sun chips the other day <laughs> and i had like i was on my third handful of sun chips Jacob walks up to me and he's like, you're going to eat the whole bag? Oh my goodness. And he was convinced that, that, I, had, had that, I, the whole that bag I had eaten the entire bag of sun chips. Wow. So I just learned, don't get defensive, mm. play it off, have a good time. Because the way that you usually bond with your teenager is through humor mm-hmm. and fun. Yeah. So here's the, here's another question on top of that. How would you ask the hard questions about relationships and accountability, things like that, like girls, yeah. um, so pornography on the phone. Yep. Mm. Yeah. I, so as a father of a teenager, of course, Jeremiah is only, you know, three years old. So this probably doesn't apply to you much, but I'm learning. I hope that dads will listen to me when I say the sooner you start talking about those issues, the easier it's going to be for you to continue talking about them with your teenager. A lot of parents don't start talking about sex or pornography or temptation until they're until they think their teenager. When is a good up. time? When is a good time? Oh, dude, as early as possible. I'm serious. We started talking to our kids about sex. They were curious because I think they they'll seen ask some questions. When they start yeah. asking questions, it's the time. Then you start and, and yeah, like you mentioned that you and your son take showers together yep. with total appropriate yes. language here. I remember the day that I told Shari, Jacob and I cannot take showers anymore anymore because he noticed noticed. some things Mm -hmm. and started making some comments. And I was like, that's it. That's my cue. I had also heard James Dobson talk about that. So I think when they start getting curious, the Holy Spirit will give you discernment to know how much you tell them. We, We started talking about literally using the word intercourse with our boys because they saw a TV special with some animals on it on Discovery Channel through homeschool. And they didn't understand what was happening. they didn't know what was going on. And so we just decided we're going to throw them in the deep end. And they swam. They're fine. How old were they? Do you remember? Six and and nine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. And Jacob had some questions going on at school too. Some kids asking him things. And so he came home and just asked us questions. So we started at that point. So it was elementary. Definitely. First grade. Yeah. I'd say so I'm writing this down. Yep. <laughs> yes. So here's the last question I want to ask you, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that parenting teach has taught me a lot about myself. What do you think that parenting overall so far? I know you're, I know oh. you just have a three-year-old, but here, I just feel like having the different ages mm-hmm. of parenting is good for our audience right now. Cause they get to hear from you with a three-year-old and one coming and Clayton who has teenagers. So what do you think that fatherhood has taught you most about yourself? Oh, so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell you the, the one thing that has been teaching me still now, um, being able to go to my son and ask for forgiveness. Mm. Brother, I remember the first time I lost it in the car and yelled at my wife 
and he was only months old. I mean, he was just baby and he was crying. And to make things worse, I was headed to a conference to lead worship. Right? Oh, he comes, a worship leader, you know, yelling at his wife. His baby's crying. Oh, man, who is he? Who do you think you are? Yeah. I stopped. I remember stopping the car, pulling in, and the Holy Spirit, man, just like, go back and ask for forgiveness. And as I'm walking to the car, I ask my wife for forgiveness, give her a kiss. I'm going to sound check. I got to go. Again, the Holy Spirit, go back. And asked for forgiveness. Mm. I mean, it was heavy in my heart. And I went back to my three months old mm-hmm. son. And I looked at him. And I remember the first time at me saying the words, that was not Jesus in me. Mm-hmm. That was me. And I've been doing that ever since. Wow. So it's been breaking me to the point where I, I have to ask for forgiveness because he has to see that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's he good. has to see the brokenness in his dad. When And listen, now... That he notices things, mm-hmm. he will go like, "Daddy, are you mad?" I he say, picks yeah. up on stuff. Oh, that he, he does, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. He does. So they see I'm they aware. See yes, I'm aware, and I'm able to go to him and look at him and say, "Hey, that's not like how you're supposed to do it." Yeah, I'm sorry, and he will forgive me. Mm-hmm. It's the beauty of it. Yeah. Now he's done things that he's picking up on. Like recently, he broke my TV. Oh, wow. That I saved for years. I mean, I'm really like really careful about where my money goes. We didn't buy a nice TV until last year. Oh wow! Eight years of marriage, we've been like, no, nah, we don't need it. We don't need it until we felt like, okay, we can do it now. We saved up. He breaks it, man. Mm. Uh huh. I come home. I'm thinking, oh brother. I took a walk. I came back. Still, I needed to get out of the house because this boy broke my TV. You know what's funny? He knew it was wrong. Yeah. And you know what he did? He he was hiding in the darkest room in the whole house when I came home. Man, it hit me. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. When I run from my heavenly father. Mm. Yeah. I hide. You know, I hide and I go to him and I said, What do you do? And the first thing he said, I'm so sorry, Daddy. And he started crying. Oh man. And I picked him up, took him to the to my bed, and I sit him up there and I talked to him and I said, I really hope that he can hear God through this. Mm-hmm. I really, really hope that he can see this this forgiveness, but this brokenness as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he understood that. Listen, he didn't watch TV um, for like three weeks, mm-hmm. nothing. And he knew. It's like, yeah, I, I know that I did something wrong. So again, I'm learning so much, but one of the things I'm learning really, really is to be broken beforehand and ask for forgiveness. Because the day I tell him, and he's going to see this my whole entire life. But the day he asked me about Jesus, his, I hope, this is my dream and my goal, that he can see him in me. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen. Yeah. And, and he already I'm, does. Man, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's beautiful to yeah. see that because I never, I never thought that mm-hmm. that would be me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so, Charlie, you're a worship leader. I want to end yes. today by just saying, telling everybody you're a worship leader. You have a passion to like specifically bring worship to your people who speak your language Mm -hmm. Um, and you travel around and you started this movement, I would say. Um, How can people get in touch with you, find out what you're doing? Can you just tell everyone? Well, um, man, social media is something else. Mm -hmm. You can always um, find me on uh, Facebook as uh, Charlie, C-H-A-R-L-E-E. My mama misspelled the name, but it's, <laughs> I like it. Charlie Buitrago, B-U-I-T-R-A-G-O. And uh, same thing on Instagram, at Charlie Buitrago. You can, you can find me on there. 
Great. And your website is? Yes. Uh, so you can do, go to www.charliewittrago.com. And, and seriously, there, thank you for doing that because there's so many people that are praying for us as a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now that we have a little girl on the way mm-hmm. and that they know that my parents live with me, the Venezuelan situation. So thank you, thank you, thank you mm-hmm. for getting on there and just like praying for us. We, mm-hmm. we really need it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And Clayton, thank you so much for being on this and being vulnerable with us. Thank you, Shari. Yep. I always like sitting beside you. Yep. Uh, I really enjoyed both of you guys being here today. And I know that our listeners have received some little secrets for their big breakthrough. So um, if you guys want to follow Charlie, please do that and support him and pray for him. And I can't wait until I get to talk with you again on Overcoming Monday. We're thankful you chose to listen to Overcoming Monday, a production of Clayton King Ministries. This podcast happens because of you. There are three ways you can help us reach even more people. Be sure to share us with your friends and follow Shari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at ShariKing99. You can also make a tax-deductible donation to CKM, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry at ClaytonKing.com give. And of course, subscribe. And for more encouragement to move you forward in your faith, check out her blog at ShariKing.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope we've given you something to help overcome this Monday.